Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Hey, welcome to the good news. I have such a fabulous story to share with you today. I've got two guests, Beatrice Bruno, the drill sergeant of life, and she's kind of co-hosting with me today because I wanted her to hear the testimony, the story of my friend, Adam Katz. Now, Adam was one of my first guests on the show. I think back years ago uh, when he was starting the Doreen Katz Memorial Cancer Foundation. Uh, And if you go to DoreenKatzMemorial.org, you can find out more info, but you're going to get a lot more info right now. And my producer, uh, I said, well, what's Adam's story? You know, can you kind of give me a little more on what he, what the deal is because we've been contacted and said he had this amazing story to share with us and this foundation that he was starting. So my producer literally was outside with him for like 20 minutes in the hallway and did like a full interview with all these notes. He comes in with pages of notes and I'm like, dude, like you, you can't give me pages of notes. Like he's coming in in a minute, kind of give me that. He's like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing story I've ever heard. You're not going to believe this story of what happens. And it is it's quite a love story, and it's a it's a they of reuniting. Uh, but then uh, there could have been a sad ending. But he's turned the sad ending into something beautiful. The way that he's helping others. So interestingly enough, when you start to hear more about why he started uh, the Doreen Katz Memorial Cancer Foundation, you're going to hear about the first family that he had on. And I feel so blessed that this was a teacher that I had on the show who was suffering from brain cancer, who has three children, and then. And through, you know, just my work on the good news, they connected. And that was the first, is the first family that he was able to help. Because, you know, the kids sometimes get left behind in the cancer treatment of the parents. Like they may not get their dance class. Maybe they can't afford basketball. You know, they might have to, you know, um, maybe they don't get an art class or swim team. Because a lot of the money and time and efforts going towards the parent that's fighting the cancer. So the kids don't get to be kids during that time. And that's a lot of what Adam does. So, Adam, we're going to go through your whole story. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you very much, Angie. Great to be here. All right, Adam Katz. I wanted to um, keep Beatrice around because she loves a beautiful testimony, and uh, she was uh, in here doing some other things. I'm like, you have got to hear Adam's story. It will knock your socks off. So just talk about, first of all, way back in the day when you met your love, Doreen, uh, and you were so crazy about each other, but then you went your separate ways. So how did that all go down? And you started dating, and uh, tell me about her. Well, um, we met uh, our freshman year in college. We were both at uh, small schools in Rhode Island, and she was this great racquetball player for her school, and I wasn't much of a – I had just started playing racquetball and decided I wanted to try and get some games in because it was, you know, we, we could never get uh, the courts on our campus. So I rode my bicycle out to her. She was at Providence College, and I walked in, and she was on court beating up on all these guys. And I was like, I need to take my chance here. So I uh, – you know, warmed up, and then I went in, and I got on court with her, and, of course, we started bantering back and forth, and the next thing I knew, I talked myself into a bet based on the results, 
And then she went and just destroyed me. And, you know, we played for a couple of hours. And I wow. think I might have scored three points the whole, oh, the wow. whole time. It was just <laughs> she was that much better than me. And at the end, she said, oh, you know, I, I, I know I talked you into a bet, but I'm going to let you off the hook because I'm obviously a lot better than you. And I said, hey, I took the bet. We're going to dinner. And as we were at dinner, we started talking, and I realized I was in love with her. And I told her right then and there, I said, I'm in love with you. Oh, she must have she freaked out. Kind of yeah, she well, she started laughing, and she was like, you've known me for like 20 minutes. And I said... Oh, it was like four I, hours. I'm, I'm, well, at that point, sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> but from that moment on, we were inseparable. We dated throughout college, uh, and we actually initially got engaged our senior year on our third anniversary Wow! of the first date. Uh, but the problem was I've known since I was a child that whatever purpose my life has revolved around me living in Colorado. Hmm. Wow. And, I mean, I, you know, this was long before the Internet and all that, but I knew I needed to get to Colorado. I had no idea how I was going to make that happen, but hmm. that was my focus even in college. And all Doreen wanted was to move back to her area in Albany, New York, and get married and start a family. Mm-hmm. So we just couldn't convince the other to change their plans. And so before we graduated, we broke up. Oh. But we always stayed in touch. And I continued, you know, for a couple of years, I moved around the country. I, I was in uh, San Jose. I was actually in Colorado Springs for a little while. I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, all within three years of graduation. And each time I would call her up and say, hey, why don't you come on out and check it out? And she just wasn't interested. She was back in Albany. She was happy. So then I joined the Navy in 1992. And at that point, I I went in specifically to be a linguist. And it turned out that I was was trained to be a Russian linguist. So Mm -hmm. I got to spend a year in Monterey, California, and during that time, we started talking again, and she came out on one of my breaks uh, at the LI, and we started talking, and she said, let's do it. Let's get married. And I was incredibly happy. I thought, this is perfect. I have no idea where I'm going to be going, because I, I was still a few months away from actually getting my, my orders for once school was over. And I told her, you know, let me just get my orders, and then we'll figure it out. And then, amazingly enough, I get my orders, and my very first set of orders was to Buckley Air Base in Aurora. (laughs) Wow. So I'm thinking, this is perfect. This is going to be great. The problem with those orders was they're basically open to anybody. They slotted me into them, but if somebody else that had seniority on me wanted them, they could take them. Mm. At the time, I was an E3, and Mm. somebody else who was an E4 or an E5 said, ooh, Colorado, I'm going to take those. Mm-hmm. So they took my orders. And ultimately, I got sent to northern Japan. And oh. that wasn't going to be a problem initially, but the issue was that I got uh, given a, a set of orders called direct support, which made me a deployable asset. Hmm. So while I was actually stationed on an air base in northern Japan, anytime a ship was going out in my area of responsibility, I was eligible for deployment. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't bring Doreen, who had never been outside of the country, to a remote area in Japan, and knowing that I'm going to be leaving her for months at a time during my enlistment. Oh, that's tough. So I broke it off, which it was a very difficult decision. 
Wow. And she didn't take it very well. I didn't take it very well. Uh, so she actually stopped talking to me for a while just because, you know, she, want, she wanted us both to be married at that mm-hmm. point and didn't care what the circumstances were. And, like she would have been willing, uh, Adam, to be married even and stay here while you were, you know, gone in Japan for who knows how long? Well, she didn't want to stay at that point. She was actually willing to come to northern Japan and just be in northern Japan. And I was just like, you don't know the area. Um, I don't know what I, – I hadn't even gone yet there yet, so I didn't know what the base was even looking like and what mm-hmm. the situation was going to be for uh, dependents. Right. And I knew that we would be off base in housing before anything could happen to get us on base. So mm-hmm. there was going to be a, you know, a substantial amount of time that we were going to be in town. Well, did you think not necessarily around? Hmm? Did you think, Adam, when you broke it off, that oh, maybe you could make it work later, or were you trying to free her up to move on to have a family and find someone else, or were you thinking maybe that the two of you would make it work later? I always figured that somehow we were going to make it work. It was just going to, you know, when I got into the Navy and, and once I got those orders to Misawa, I just figured it was going to be after I got out of the Navy. Okay. So, and that was more where I was focused. So, you know, I went to Japan. I was there for three years. And um, in uh, the, the summer of 96, I was on this awful cruise, basically sitting off the coast of Korea all summer. Hmm. And her birthday came up in August, and I, you know, I'd been just waiting for her birthday because I, all I wanted to do was talk to her and and you know, wish her a happy birthday and catch up and just get the stress of this awful trip off of me. And you know, we had talked previously earlier in the year and had agreed to meet up at a racquetball tournament in Memphis in November, and I just wanted to make sure we were still on course for that. So I called her from the ship, and. I get the you know the annoying tone and the message that the phone has been disconnected. Oh and wow! Of course, I'm like that's that scary. Can't be. I must have misdialed. So of course, you're dialing all these extra numbers with country codes and all mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So I tried again, and I get the exact same message. And I, I, at that point, I knew something was wrong. But again, the internet at, at that time, the internet had just come to our base in northern Japan, mm-hmm. and. It was, you know, the old dial-up with, the, you know, the tone and all that, and sometimes it would just drop you for no reason. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the most re- reliable thing. And, of course, I'm still at sea for another month. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what, what was going on. And then when I got back to base, I still, there was really not a lot of information I could get from where I was. And so I, I just got to that point. I said, we said we're going to meet up at this tournament in November. I'm going, she'll be there. And so November finally rolls around, and I get on the plane, and I come back, and I get to this tournament. And, of course, the first thing I do is I check out the draw sheets to see her name and find out what time she's playing. And she's not on the draw sheets. Oh, wow. And so I was just, uh, you know, at, at that point, I'm like, oh, okay, this is definitely not the way this should be. And I asked the tournament desk what's going on, is, you know, where's her entry? And they had no entry for her, so I knew at that point she's not coming. 
Wow. And that must have I been mean, a weird you know, feeling. Was... The phone's disconnected. She's not there. She's supposed to be there. This is like her passion mm. and, and nothing. Mm -hmm. Again, if you're just joining us, uh, this is my friend Adam Katz, and he is talking about his love story. And uh, Beatrice Bruno, who also is a military person, uh, I wanted her to listen in. And I hope you're enjoying it because even though things are getting tough here in uh, Adam's story, he does take um, a difficult situation and uh, turn something turn it into something beautiful. Okay, so Doreen, her phone's disconnected. She's not registered. You don't know how to reach her, and you're still in love with her. Yes. So as luck would have it, I ran into a mutual friend from college at this tournament, and the first words he says to me are, did you hear what happened to Doreen? And, of course, I'm like, no, I've been trying to find out for months what's going on. And he sat down, he sat and said, She's got breast cancer. She's dying. Oh, Lord. And at that point, I lost it. I, um, you know, my orders for my, I actually took leave, but I was on permissive PAD, so I had to actually play a match in this tournament. And I, I lucked out. I had an 8 a.m. match the next morning. So I went, I played that match, and then I just left and went right to the airport and got up to Albany because I knew at that point she was with her mother, who also lived in Albany. Well, I knock on the door, and, of course, the mother is answering the door, and, and she looks at me, and she goes, I'm very sorry, but Doreen doesn't want to see you. Aww. And I, I looked at her, and I said, I understand that, but I have to see her. And she kept me outside of her bedroom for a day before I finally got in. He's talking, like, through the but, door, uh, right? You're talking to her, to her through yeah. the door. I was talking through, uh, yelling through the door, really. But, um, you know, finally she gave in and said, okay, fine, come on in. And you know, obviously the, the cancer had uh, changed her appearance, but she was still the same Doreen. Yeah. And we started talking, and it was just like old times. And finally, after a little while, I said, well, do you have any regrets? And she said, well, yeah, you know, we should have gotten married. Aww. And so I dropped to a knee, and I proposed. And at first she kind of laughed and said, a little too little too late. But uh, I looked at her, and I said, you know how stubborn I am. You know I'm going to make this happen. You are stubborn. Yes. And so she finally said yes, and I, you know, ran around the state capital in New York and got a marriage license and a justice of the peace, and got us married. And that day. Timing wise, yeah, that day. Wow. Timing wise was perfect because it was the eleventh anniversary of our first date. Oh my. Goodness. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> oh. So, the, the hard part though was. You know, I I got married. I had a top secret clearance in the military in the Navy, mm -hmm. so I really didn't have the right to just get married mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they need to do a background check on mm -hmm. my prospective bride. That's right. And there were just there wasn't any time, and we had to get married then and there. So I just said I will get married and not tell anybody and just deal with it. So shortly after we got married, I had to return to Japan because I knew I was going to be going to sea at the beginning of 1997. And I got back out there and I didn't, I didn't want to talk to anybody and everybody was like, Oh, how was the trip? Tell me about it. And I was just like, it was fine. That's it. Didn't want to say a word. So people knew that something was up, but nobody wanted to keep pressing me about mm -hmm. it because they figured if he explodes, it could be on me and I don't want to see that. Mm -hmm. So people kind of left me alone. And I ended up going to sea on this trip that was supposed to be four months. 
you know, everybody wanted to be on this trip except me because it was hitting every port in Asia you could possibly want to hit mm-hmm. plus a couple of ports in Australia. So, you know, it was going to be a fun time. I just wasn't mentally prepared to be on this trip. Right. And I had made up my mind, I'm going to desert because I've had enough. I need to be free. And I, I had it all planned out. We were getting an extended um, port visit in Singapore. Usually we were only in port for four days, but because there was some kind of a military thing going on in Singapore at that time, they gave us eight days in port. And I literally had a full week, seven days, to just be off the ship and do whatever I needed. And I knew I could get fake ID and figure out where I wanted to go and get out of there before anybody knew I was gone. Mm -hmm. And I had every opportunity to do that. And at the last possible moment, I said, nope, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. That's going to make it harder for me to get back to Colorado. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So after, uh, you know, I I ended up getting sent off the ship because I had actually fractured my clavicle right before we left. And they discovered it about a month and a half in. So I got myself sent back to northern Japan. And I was stuck there. It was now mid-February, and I was there until July. And I finally got out in July, and I said, I'm going to Colorado. I'm going to start my life over and get, you know, figure it all out. And I came here, came to Colorado, and I was still on what was called the inactive reserve because I had an eight-year commitment, mm-hmm. and I did five years active duty. So I had three years to be on this inactive reserve, which didn't really – it wasn't like I had to, you know, report anywhere or do anything, but – if something happened and they needed me, they could call me back. So I said, I, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to deal with it. And I, you know, started a life in Colorado, but I didn't talk about it. And it was just eating me up. And finally in 2008, a friend of mine did the Avon walk for breast cancer Hmm. up in the mountains in Frisco and Keystone. And I donated to the cause, but I still wasn't ready to talk about it. So I left town that weekend so that there wasn't any chance of me being there. And when I came back that Monday, his friend picked me up at the airport. And, you know, she looked at me and it wasn't, you know, how was the trip? Welcome home. She just stared me dead in the eyes and said, you have to do the Avon walk next year. Hmm. So I, you know, I said, fine, I'll do it. No problem. And I signed up. And when you sign up, they give you a walker buddy who's basically there to make sure that you're doing your fundraising and that you're doing your conditioning because mm-hmm. you're walking a marathon on Saturday and a half marathon on Sunday, and you have to raise $1,800 to do this. And we had been communicating via email for a while. And after a few months, she sent me this email one day and said, Adam, I know your fundraising's coming along and I know you're doing your training, but now I want to know why are you doing this walk? Hmm. And at that point, it had been right at 12 years, and I just said, okay, here goes. And I sent her this really long email telling her the whole story, mm, and I heard nothing back. And I was just like, that's strange, but I don't have time to worry about it. Hmm. So I kept going, and about a month before the event, I then get an email from the director of the Rocky Mountain Organization, and all it says is opening ceremony speakers, question mark, was a subject. I hadn't even opened the email. And I see this as I'm on my way out the door to start my day. And I'm just like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And I went into work. And the whole day at work, I'm like, I've been dealing with this for 
12 and a half years now, and it, you know, I haven't talked about it. That's clearly not working. They're giving me an opportunity to speak. I need to do this. Oh, my goodness. All right. And by the time I got home, I had convinced myself, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to speak at the opening ceremony. All right, Adam. We um, are going to go to break, and we'll have four minutes when we come back, and I want you to t- continue your story then about that you've got the courage to speak, and then, of course, started the foundation in honor of your wife, Doreen Katz. We'll be right back with the good news. The good news of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hi, it's Angie. Hey, do you have a lot of things around your house you want to get rid of? My husband wants me to get rid of anything and everything that is in his way. 303-238-JANE. I love ARC. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps, and everything you donate helps. 303-238-JANE. They bring a truck right to my house. I actually have them come every month or two, and it is so helpful to get that place cleaned out because you know what? My husband's a lot nicer to me when I donate things, and who better to donate to than ARC? 303-238-JANE and arcthrift.org for a location near you if you just want to drop a few things off and do a little shopping. arcthrift.org, shopping with a purpose. I love Arc. The good news, John and Robbie Yopes are here. Uh, Their book is Caught and their ministry is Caught in His Arms and they help us get our marriages on track so we can be happy and they get marriages that are failing Uh, back together you know like they were separated and they made things right and they actually really really like each other now hi guys hi hi we do love each other we like each other a lot and we laugh together (laughs) that's the topic right the topic today is laughter and i i agree with you i think it's so important in marriage i know you guys have a blast together a lot of marriages aren't fun they aren't happy so let's talk about how to put laughter into a marriage well, in our book, and you already mentioned the book, Caught, we uh, we have 10 holy habits or, or behaviors that we think if people can do these things, it will improve their relationship. And one of them is to laugh together. And just recently was uh, a global belly laugh day. And it just, you know, had to make me giggle that we've got to have a day for that. Right, a day but for it. According mm-hmm. to Psychology Today, laughter synchronizes the brains of the speaker and the listener so that they are emotionally attuned. Some researchers even believe that the major function of laughter is to bring people together. Oh, I like that. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, because when you're laughing with someone, you feel closer to them. Now, there's a lot of statistics on laughter, but my favorite is that you can burn up to 40 calories for every 10 minutes you laugh. That is the most fun you'll ever have working out. That's so true. And, you know, we don't laugh normally like that, you know, consistently that long when we uh, laugh generally, unless we're watching a comedy. But over, but it is, it's just, I think it's like life giving, like, you know, you're breathing in more, um, you take in more oxygen. And I used to, th- when I was on vacation um, from my morning show, uh, when I was on TV, and I probably still with the radio, I noticed that that week I was on vacation, I didn't laugh as much because we laugh a ton like on morning shows. Oh, really? Yeah. I cool? would think, 
I would think you would laugh with your with your kids all the time. Yeah, it's different though. Like it's a different type of laughter. Like, you know, you're kind of holding court when you're on radio or on like a TV show. So it's like you're holding court and you're attempting to make little quirky funny. And I don't come on, let's be honest. You do our kid, that? You our do kids, that? come on, our kids do not realize how funny we are. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yes. If you ask my son Noah, what was my top ten greatest attributes? Laughter or being funny would probably be like 20. Right, right. Exactly. They don't know how funny we are. Wait till they're I'm I'm hysterical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they'll know like someday when they realize that we're funnier than they are. You know what I mean? Then they'll be like, oh, wow, like you're totally funny. I had no idea when I was a teenager, like how funny you were. (laughs) Exactly. 17, very little is funny. (laughs) That's so true. It's so true. Okay. What else do we do in our marriage to put this laughter in there besides have teenagers? Well, you know, um, we work with couples who are having a hard time. So it's, I'm not, some, they don't usually come in saying, oh, we laughed so much this week. Ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we suggest that they organically, not, excuse me, organically, they consciously um, and intentionally put laughter in their marriage by doing things they know will be funny. Okay. For example, you mentioned like watching TV shows or having a date night out to a comedy club, or there's a lot of YouTube videos that are hysterical. And you can be very angry with someone, sit in front of the, the computer and YouTube and watch enough people fall down and you're going to be laughing together That's and it's going to help your marriage. That's funny. All right, John, any any uh, parting thoughts on your uh, part about laughter? I know you guys have a lot of it together. And by the way, sometimes it's just for the two of you. You know what I mean? Other people don't get it or don't need to get it. Well, that's, that's absolutely true. I, you know, they don't they don't need to get it. I mean, the, the reason we encourage couples to laugh together within marriage is so that they are emotionally aligned that there is it's really easy to get focused on things that that we we can focus on our differences Mm -hmm. but when we can laugh together we just without even being aware of it we become very focused on what it is that we agree on Mm -hmm. and let me let me tell you some things you can do i just i'm gonna read a little list okay all right is that cool with you yeah it's totally cool with me wait wait yeah way cool um, you know, it is your show, so That's I true. just want to make sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you can have dinner and invite funny people. Yes. Um, I bet people invite you to dinner all the time, Angie. I don't know. Yeah, no, no. But anyway, I'm, I'm kind of like your husband. It's like, no, I'm good at home. So I don't think I get that many invitations extended <laughs> to me. Seriously. So, okay, invite funny people to dinner, dinner which means you have to clean the house. All right, whatever. <laughs> Um, tickle each other in bed. It works. Okay. Look at, look at childhood photos. You know, John looked exactly like David Cassidy when he was in high school with with the long hair and everything. It's so hysterical. Just going back and looking at the haircuts we had in the 80s, if that doesn't make you laugh, well, it might make you cry, but but it'll make you laugh. No, I'm serious. I, like, thank my mother-in-law for buying my husband those owl glasses because I don't think he had a date till he was 18. (laughs) (laughs) So you're naturally funny. You're so good. Right, right, right. Um, Change the lyrics to songs (laughs) on the radio. (laughs) I do that a lot. Do you really? 
Yeah, because I'll just I'll just um, sing to John and I'll put some some kind of silly tune to it, and uh, I like doing that. I like leaving oh. him messages. And you, and you make up songs. You've done that for me. And you know what I like too? Um, I just realized that we do this. My husband and I will make up like a here, like if we're going down the road and the kids are annoying us or they're crying, we'll be like a here we go, a crying down the road so fine. Here we go, a crying and whining is mine. La la. la. And then we'll and then we'll like go take turns. Make the kids get infuriated, and we're so like taken with ourselves, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very funny to um to, to laugh when Noah's not laughing at all. And the last thing I have to tell you is we have dogs. Yes. And we find so much humor in what we think the dogs are saying. Really? And we do it all the time. We, we've actually created voices for the dogs oh and we'll talk for them gosh. as what we're imagining they might say. No. Some people might think no, we're insane, no, but no, we that's think so it's weird. Fun. No wonder we like each other. I do that with my cat. All right, so go ahead, keep going. Well, a lot a lot of people think you know, because when we were younger, um, and we did or no was younger, we would say, No, you don't have to tell people we do this. <laughs> We always say that's a family story. That's a family story. Exactly. <laughs> so laugh, laugh a lot. No, when we have the cat, sometimes we videotape the cat and um, and then we'll like be scratching the ta- cat. And then in the on the side, we'll like voice over the cat. We'll be like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, that feels so <laughs> nice. Oh, it's not keeping me behind the ear. That feels really nice. And then the kids, <laughs> they think it's hilarious. Then we play back the video. And the cat's voiced over, and we just think it's, like, so funny. But, again, family humor, you know? Oh, it's so funny. We have, you know, we have a puggle who's um, a medium-sized puggle, and he's got a high voice, and he and he talks like, Hi, everybody, I'm Scooby. And then we have a tiny little dog who's a chihuahua pug, and he has a deep voice like, Hello, I'm Thor. Oh, that's so and funny. And it's very funny to us. All right, so uh, let's say, you know, um, that laughter just isn't like their thing. Then, then, like you said, just watch a movie, uh, it, have funny friends come over, find people that you think are funny. Um, yes, and it's really important, lastly, that if your marriage is, is you're having a hard time, very important to find uh, ways to laugh but not at each other. Because that's the easiest and cheapest way, but it won't help your marriage get better. It will um, it will separate you more. And I have to tell you guys, one of the geekiest things I've ever seen in my life was this laugh yoga. And I thought it was so dumb. And then I started listening to it. And you can hear it in the background there. And it made me laugh so hard listening to them because it was so ridiculous. <laughs> Find, find a laugh yoga video. It's so goofy. I'm like, who would do that? It's goofy. And I couldn't help laughing. All right. Well, you guys always make me laugh. Your book is caught. You guys have a real passion for helping people, uh, Christians in particular, uh, struggling in their marriages, helping them stay together. And it can yes. be done and you can be happy and you can laugh again. So tell people where they can find you in your book. Caught. Go ahead. 
We are caughtinhisarms.com. You can connect. You can uh, get our book there, or you can connect with us. And if you don't know funny people to have over for dinner, mm-hmm. you can even invite us through our website. We'll come right. and have dinner for you. We're the there. And and if you do look up the laugh yoga, there are different types of laughter because I just found out there's a lawnmower laughter, and I didn't even know that there were different you know names for laughter. But apparently <laughs> there are. Yeah, and we've got the lawnmower laughter going. All right, thank you guys. Appreciate you. Thank you, Angie. Um, We love family, as I'm sure you do as well. And I've told you on many occasions about um, my golden list that I do with the kids on the way to school, or my mom does it, and it's five things that you are thankful for. Well, I came across this article called Five Questions to Ask at the Dinner Table, and I am telling you, it is awesome. Welcome, Gif. Well, hello there. As always, such a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, friend. I adore you. All right. So you've got two grown girls, but you've got a grandbaby now, three years old. And so I love these questions. I think that, you know, when you get together with him as he gets a little bit older, it'll be super fun. Now, two things I do with my kids, the golden list, five things you're thankful for. It makes my mom always stop, you know, uh, in our, if she's angry and the kids do their golden list, oh, it just melts her heart. She's not enraged (laughs) anymore. And then she goes, oh, I'm thankful for you too. It just stops her anger because gratitude's a beautiful thing. Okay. And the other thing I have them do is what's your rose, your thorn, and your butt? And the rose is something great in the day, like their magical moment. The thorns, obviously, like some kid that's picking on them or whatever. And the bud is something you're learning or looking forward to in the future, like, you know, the way a bud opens in the future. Okay. Okay. So I get a lot out of those. But these I love. Okay, number one. And I'll see what you think of these. Five questions to ask at the dinner table. And this draws your kids out so you can find out things are bothering them, et cetera. What is it you've done today that you'd like to be acknowledged for? How cool is that? It's like, did you do something really cool and no one gave you a pat on the back? I think that's cool. And it's a great way to get them to take a look at their behavior and recognize if they're doing something that, hey, this is a really good thing for me to be doing. I love that. Isn't it? it? it, it starts a conversation and, and, you know, my only frame of reference right now, because, uh, you know, I've got a three-year-old grandson who's very connected and very smart and strangely enough, pretty in touch with the world. And I, you know, I don't know if three-year-olds are normally like that, but he certainly is. The conversations we have are amazing. And I think that would be a really cool way to find out, you know, what happened to daycare, what good things. And, 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 he, and he's always willing to share these things to begin with. And I, gosh, I love that. I, that's such a, that's such a, a door opener for a conversation. And uh, especially, you know, for you to sit there and listen to what they've done and just let them talk. Yeah. Yes. And to let them talk. And uh, sometimes it's surprising what they say. Like the other day when the kids were loud and I was recording an interview and I said, oh, you guys are so loud. And my seven-year-old in second grade, Faith said, yeah, mom, that's the problem with having kids is that they're really loud and sometimes they lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right. Okay, you ready for question number two? Ready. This one goes along with the golden list. This is pretty, you know, um, basic. What are you grateful for today? But it gets them thinking and gets them out of the poor me or I didn't get the right thing for dinner or I don't like what I got for my birthday present or I didn't like the way I was treated at school. It's like, well, wait, 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 wait. Don't focus on that. What are you grateful for today? That's beautiful because that makes you stop and think because it's so – and even for an adult – you know, sitting around with your husband and it's just the two of you go, hey, what are you grateful for today? And yeah. and you got to So there's sometimes, you know, you got to stop and go, well, I'm not grateful for anything. It was really a horrible. Really? You're still here mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm still here. So let's sit down and figure out what you're grateful for. You're do your gratitudes at the dinner table. I think that's a beautiful idea. I love it. All right. Number three. 
And I, this is, I think this might be my favorite. What act of kindness did you either see someone perform today or what act of kindness did you perform today? And when my kids jump out of my car or leave the front door, I yell, um, uh, be kind to others. <laughs> I do. You know, I think we have to start training them more because before it was just you were kind. And now it's now you have to be reminded, don't be, don't be, don't be that person. Don't be that person that you're complaining about. That's right. what I always say. Right. It's and like, don't try to match their unkind behavior. Like when a kid's I'm, unkind to my kids at school, I'm like, maybe you need to teach them and show them how to be kind. Maybe something's going on at home. Maybe their parents aren't nice. Maybe their parents are divorced. Maybe they have a mean brother. You don't know why they're being mean. Nobody knows anybody else's story, so you just got to make your own and be the nicest person that you can on a daily basis. Now, that's easier said than done sometimes, you know, because your eyes shoot out of your head while you're traveling around and run into some of the things that you do. But, you know, kids really, really need to learn it. And I I don't, you know, it's it's interesting because, I, I, I again, my only frame of reference is my three-year-old grandson, and he is so kind, he is so Aww. sweet, and he is so caring and and I don't know if again, I don't know if they're all like that, but that's the way. Well, number one, my daughter's a fantastic um, mother and her husband. They're just great. Oh, they, it must make you feel great. Oh, my gosh. I had a conversation with her yesterday and, and I was like and then I was in a one of those really touchy feely dad moods. And I said, I can't tell you how proud I am of you because we were out there two weeks ago in uh, St. Louis with him. And I said, I can't tell you how proud I am when I see the mother that you've become and the child that you are raising, it makes me realize that, you know, it was all worth it. And, you know, and then she turns around and makes me cry. She goes, dad, you taught me all this. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, that's the biggest compliment you can ever get in your life. No, I have to tell you though, you are a good dude. And so you should be (laughs) proud of that because I'll bet you're an awesome dad. I know you're a great husband. You adore your wife. You adore your kids. So you did teach them that. But that's the thing I think we forget. Like not not only is that going into your kids, it's now going into your grandkids and, and so on and so on. That's how we create a legacy. That's exactly right. And it's, you know, it's a shame when that chain gets broken, but I don't know anything else. I mean, I, I just know the chain of caring that we've got in in our family and how much family means. I mean, my wife's an Italian and, and family is everything, man. Yep. Don't ever cross the family. Right. And you know who's the boss. And and it's just filtered down throughout my entire life that way. Oh, I love and it. Uh, man, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's uh, pretty it's pretty darn awesome. Hey, having grown up in a not so great atmosphere and, you know, being bounced around a lot, um, I have to say that I am so grateful that my kids have an awesome family. Like I have really stopped that train, you know, and gotten on a new track. So I always say, gosh, my kids have it great, you know, and I'm proud of that. All right. So let's get to the last uh, two. Okay. okay. What was, um, these are, and I'll go through them quickly. We've only got about a minute left. What was um, great about today? What magical thing did you see? And I, I do that one a lot. Like what was your magical awesome. moment today? And they love that one because they can always find a magical moment or three. And oftentimes their magical moment is seeing mommy when I get home, which is nice. And then uh, number five, what unresolved issues do you want to talk about? So for a little one, I guess, you know, what, there's something going on you want to talk about? Are you upset with a friend? Is someone being mean to you at school? Are you having a hard time with math? Stuff like that. Hmm. 
What do you think? Uh, I, you know, uh, the unresolved issue, I would make sure that you keep the family. Uh, it's like, and it can't be your sister or your brother. Right. Good point. <laughs> because then all of a sudden it turns into a food fight at the dinner table. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> like, right. Like, yeah, but you're breathing my air. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> you touched my spoon. That's my pink yeah. spoon. All yeah. right, Giff, I always get a kick out of you. I think you're awesome. Thanks so much for joining me, friend. You're welcome. This was my magical moment today. Hi, it's Angie. My favorite vacation spot in the world has a deal for you. It's YMCA of the Rockies. It's their 110th anniversary at the YMCA of the Rockies, and they're offering lodge rooms for $84 per night. My whole family stays in one lodge room. That deal is through the end of December and includes two free breakfasts every morning. And here's some of the things that are included. Some of these cost a little bit more, but most of them are free, like the roller skating, swimming. There's a Nordic Center. It's a little extra for rock climbing. You can learn how to do archery, horseback riding at Snow Mountain Ranch. The s'mores and the campfires are so much fun. Sometimes there's singing and sometimes there's movies. And we see this guy called the Mountain Man. My family loves this spot. We go at least twice a year. And we will be enjoying this offer ourselves as well. Again, it's the 110th anniversary. YMCA winter deals, 84 bucks for a lodge room. A family of five can sleep in one of these lodge rooms. And again, two free breakfasts per day. Check it out, YMCA. For over 120 years, the Denver Rescue Mission has been providing services to those in need and the homeless in the metro area. It is the oldest full-service Christian charity in the Rocky Mountain region. Since its conception in 1892, it has expanded to helping the homeless and hungry to provide services for men and single mothers, offering programs such as rehabilitation for those suffering from addiction and abuse, education and career centers, family services, and life restoration. The Denver Rescue Mission is always in need of your assistance. You can help this growing organization by donating clothing, food, furniture, and more at any of the drop-off locations. For more information on their services, ways you can help, and to donate online, go to denverrescuemission.org. denverrescuemission.org. Changing lives in the name of Christ. Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald of Animal Planet and Nat Geo Wild fame is joining us to talk about some of the recent situations, you know, wintertime weather, cold weather that he has seen in the pet ER. And uh, one of them involves a, a dog in the back of a truck during a snowstorm, also antifreeze and pets. And then he had a situation with a cat jumping into a uh, car to get warm up. And of course, there's a fan belt situation there. And food poisonings, quite a few of those lately. All right, Dr. Kevin, let's start with the you know guy with the dog in the back of the truck. And when you first told me this, I was like, why do you have him in the back of the truck? But you said young guy, loved his dog, construction worker. So explain. Well, he's a young guy, and he, you know, the dog loves it. You know, I used to love being in the back of the truck, you know, with my uncle, but, you know, it's not safe. It's not safe for a kid. It's really not safe for a dog. They don't have a thumb, and the guy had to change lanes quickly and, and you know, slammed on the brakes and the, because of a knucklehead in the lane next to him was coming over. And so the, the poor dog, though, with a quick change, was thrown out of the truck and was hit by the fast-moving cars in the other lane behind it. So, so you know, please, 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 you know, just not in the back of the truck, up in the cab with you. You know, that's the only way to go. You know, you, they, they love it, but it's just not safe. The other, the other thing we've been seeing a lot with cold, of course, has been bitter, bitter, bitter here. We've had a snap across the whole country, really. And that's fan belt cats. You know, the cats 
get up into the underneath the car and, and get up into the engine to warm up the engines warm after the people stop the car you know when they come out to start their car again you know the the fan belt and the, the engine can can really hurt the cat so you know slam your door or tap the car and let them know you're there you know i think uh is is a, is a great thing the other thing that we've been seeing a, a lot of with the cold is exposure to the feet of, of dogs dogs getting an ice ball you know between the toes little dogs particularly you know that uh, they you know a little four or five pound guy you know he's just not built for this and so i think we have to be realistic and, and have a little common sense about how long the exposure is with when these bitter frigid arctic temperatures are out there you know it was you know minus nine here in denver last night so i mean holy cow it's 10 o'clock you know where your your kids are but 10 o'clock you know where your your pets are the other thing we had yesterday was a People warm up the car in the garage yes. and, and then go back in and get their coffee and read the paper and they're warming the car up. They might not know that unwittingly the cat has slipped into the garage and it only takes uh, 10 minutes for a 10-pound cat in a one-car garage to get toxic levels of carbon monoxide, which is a perfect poison. It's colorless, it's odorless, you can't see it, can't taste it, can't smell it. You know, we lost that cat. You know, it's a, it's a time of year, I think, that people have to have, be a, have a little bit of common sense. Yes. The other thing we've had with the holidays is we've had a lot of food poisons with people throwing away grandma's potato salad. Or we had an incident with uh, a woman who was cooking for a, a church, you know, a group, and you know, after the party, the big party where all the parishioners came, she threw away four or five pounds of, of gravy, and the, the big Labrador got into it and ate five pounds of gravy, you know, had a horrible GI thing going on, you know, with the pancreatitis. And so I think a lot of the things that we're just talking about are common sense things. And being being aware, Dr. Kevin, you know, with the antifreeze, one of my dogs long ago in California must have gotten a hold of some. And I think we just need to make sure when we're out walking our dogs uh, or if the cat goes outside, which I don't think is a good idea anyway, my cat never goes outside. Uh, but if you're walking your dog and he starts licking something on the ground, um, just do not let that happen. And then don't drain your antifreeze onto the street because it kills pets. And the food poisonings, uh, that took me aback a little bit. Uh, Now, the dog in the truck, I see that situation happen quite a bit. And I guess, you know, banging on the hood of the car will make sure that your cat isn't down there warming up by the fan belt. And uh, I just really, I know you see a lot of tough things in the ER uh, with the pets, so I really appreciate you sharing some of these words of advice. And again, a lot of it is common sense. Thank you, Dr. Kevin, for all you do. No, thanks for all you do for animals. Me too. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.